Hey everybody, welcome to episode 10 of the Drop-In Sessions, brought to you by the epic crew at Mermaid Gin. Pretty much the most delicious handcrafted spirits out there. Perfect for a tipple at Christmas. Thanks for your patience waiting for episode 10, the final episode of what has been such an awesome series speaking to some of the key change makers in women's surfing. I've spoken to icons like Kiala Kennelly, talking all that's her experiences of coming out to the industry, smashing glass ceilings and booting down barriers as a big wave surf champ. Captain Liz Clark, whose extraordinary life at sea, sailing solo for over 10 years seeking adventure, empty breaks and leading to a life of environmental activism was inspiring beyond belief. Rhonda Harper, the irrepressible founder of Black Girls Surf, who is facilitating women of color to pursue their dreams and careers in pro surfing. I chatted to multi-decorated British surf champion Lucy Campbell on exactly what it takes to make it coming from the UK. Magical lady logger Cassia Meador, the queen of longboarding, with whom we explored the rich history of women's surf and its tangible energy. Barrel Queen and IRL Blue Cross Inspo Rochelle Ballard, whose powerful surfing tore down barriers for the next generation. The unforgettable and hilarious Jodie Cooper, star of Girls Can't Surf, who told us about her experiences fighting homophobia, misogyny and sexism in the 80s and 90s to become an enduring icon in women's surf. Californian ripper Holly Beck on the therapeutic and profound benefits of surf therapy. And of course, the newly crowned eight times world champion Steph Gilmore in a super candid chat on how she snagged her latest title, her feelings on the current standings of women's surfing and what's coming next. To cap off this series, I'm speaking to an incredible woman who has sparked a new wave of change in energy and surfing. Imani Wilmot started surfing at eight years old in Jamaica and along with her inspiring family started the Jamnesia Surf Club, the heart and soul of surfing in Jamaica. Imani's been competing for nearly 20 years for Jamaica and was stimulated to create a program for local girls, wanting to see more girls in her community in the water benefiting from the physical and mental magic of surfing. This was captured in an award-winning documentary, Surf Girls Jamaica, which equally portrayed the often tough reality for many Jamaican girls and women where sexism and abuse can be rife. Surfing has been a true glue in her community, and Imani is a constant force and source of encouragement and care, inspiring Afro-Caribbean women worldwide. When she's not surfing and competing, she's also busy as a filmmaker and creative consultant, a speaker for TED, a stunt woman, and a mother. I'm so stoked to welcome this force of nature to the drop-in sessions. Hey, Imani, how are you? How's it going? It's good. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you as the final guest in this series of the drop-in sessions. Um, yeah, so I'm doing very well because I'm so excited. And I understand you've been on some travels recently. Where where have you just come back from? Yeah, so I was in Mexico, a little tiny town in Mexico, you know, in the, in the countryside. Um, and I was doing a surf therapy facilitator training with um, Groundswell Community Project and Native Like Water. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fantastic. I, I'm familiar with Groundswell. And um, in the UK, we have a similar charity called The Wave Project. And mm-hmm. it's so awesome, that kind of work, isn't it? And getting to connect with people and kind of share like the mental and physical benefits of surfing. But I have a lot more questions for you about that because I know that's something you've been very involved with. Um, But um, it seems like you've been pretty busy on the road in general. Like, were you over in Huntington Beach too for the World Surfing Games? 
Yes, I was. So before that, I was actually in Florida. I went there for the Surf Expo, you know, had to meet up with some people. Um, then we went over to Huntington Beach for the ISA World Surfing wow. Games, um, where I, I compete representing Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I came back, had a little rest, and then I was <laughs> I was off to Mexico. And now that I'm back again, we are going into training for the next... ISA World Games, which should be in May 2023, um, and that should be in El Salvador. Awesome. And in Huntington, it looks like Team Jamaica did pretty good, right? Like going up in the standings, and you've been representing Jamaica for a long time, surfing Mm -hmm. as part of the national team. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Um, We did very well as a team. we haven't been participating in the ISA games for a number of years. So this, you know, this year and last year, we're just about, you know, establishing ourselves and, you know, kind of working on improving our standing. We have a lot of new surfers, especially for the women's. We don't have, you know, we have like about eight female surfers consistently in Jamaica, (laughs) in the whole of Jamaica. So, um, You know, we're working with some younger kids, trying to get them, you know, that, you know, get them into competitive surfing. Amazing. And I mean, I've like followed your story for such a long time. um, And I loved your film Surf Girls Jamaica so much. And I just thought like, it's so incredible reading and seeing about communities that have organically developed such an amazing surf scene and culture. And Mm -hmm. also like, you know, got people into competitive surfing. And like you've just said, you've now got eight girls, eight women who are steadily surfing and the surf team in Jamaica is like increasing. Um, Mm -hmm. And just surfing in the Caribbean is just so awesome. I've I've surfed there once and was just like blown away. Like I'm itching to go back. Um, Tell me, can you tell me about like, yeah, growing up in Jamaica and surfing there, I kind of want to like rewind the clock back to the beginning and find out about how this all started for you yeah well for me I started surfing when I was about eight years old um at that time my brothers were already surfing you know so I grew up knowing surfing Mm -hmm. um we are we live on a very small fishing beach you know called um bull bay eight mile bull bay um so being in the water was something that we grew up doing. We grew up swimming. You know, I remember going out swimming with my grandma for like three hours every Sunday. We just swim through the reef, um, you know, but for, for surfing itself, I didn't start until I was eight. Um, I remember my dad taught me to surf and then my brothers would push me into waves um, right in front of our house on the beach where we have our surf camp, Jamnesia surf camp. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. It's hard to say. It's like that time was just like, that was it. That was surfing at that time. Mm. There was no surfing association. There was no structure to surfing in Jamaica. It Mm. was known as, you know, something bombs do on the beach, you know, um, people, even the local community didn't know what surfing was. They would see us Mm. with their, our surfboards and think they're boats and, you know, so it's like, there was no education on what surfing actually was. Mm. Um, my brothers and I, because I have four brothers, so my brothers and I, we all started, you know, dropping um, all of our extracurriculars. I used to dance at the the art college and I stopped doing that. And my brothers used to play football and they stopped doing that. And 
you know, everything else just seems so boring compared to surfing, you know? So my parents, especially my dad, he was like, you know what, we need to formalize this. We need to give it some structure so that, you know, our kids can benefit from it and not just be wasting time sitting on the beach, you know? So he came up with the whole idea of the Jamaica Surfing Association and with a few individuals who, you know, saw the vision, they formed the association and we've been having competitions and sending away national teams since then. I think my first time representing Jamaica was in 2014, mm. I think. Yeah. No, 2004. <laughs> <I saw laughs> you know. Yeah. 2004, not 14. Yeah. I remember I went to Ecuador in 2004 Mm-hmm. Um, to represent Jamaica for the first time myself. The first time we sent a team internationally was 2002. Mm-hmm. And that was to the ISA Games. That's when they used to have them every other year, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, you know, we've been teaching people how to surf. We've spent a lot of time investing in the community. Um, we used to do, you know, the after school programs. Um, a lot of the kids now that are surfing and doing very well, I remember teaching them how to read, you know, I remember helping them with their homework, you know, they still call me auntie to this day, you know? Um, Mm. so it was, you know, that's what it was like. It was always about community. Mm. Um, you know, the surf culture in Jamaica is very different from a lot of places in the world in that. You know, I've been to California and people want to surf and they'll not tell you where they're going to surf because they want to surf it alone. Here, we don't want to do that. You know, I'm going to call everybody I know and say, where are you going? I'm going here. The waves look good and try and group up with people to surf together. You know, so that's Mm. something that we do that's different. Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. And I mean, like, we saw a little bit of your family in your movie and one, your dad just looks like such a legend and it seems like such a family affair with the Wilmore family. Um, and is this right or wrong? But I feel like surfing has actually been going for like four generations of your family. Is that right? So did your dad start as a young man? So the surf culture was already bubbling away in Jamaica in like the 60s, was it? It wasn't, I wouldn't say it was bubbling away. You know, Mm. there was a small handful of people who would surf in Jamaica. Um, Mm -hmm. My dad being one of the first few, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. it was surfing was in the 60s. Um, I think we have evidence going back to 1916 of Mm. tourists who used to come to Jamaica and did what they call surf bathing. Mm. and that was advertised by the tourist association at the time um, that people would come. There's this big hotel in Kingston and it'd take them on a, a ferry and they'd go across to where the, the waves are rough and they'd take their tourist surf bathing, you know. Um, but eventually we had people coming and leaving surfboards with local persons. Um, they did that in Boston Bay primarily. Mm-hmm. Um But for my dad, he learned to surf from a guy named Mush, a Jamaican guy who lives in um, Puerto Rico. And he shapes surfboards. And he came to Jamaica, camped out on the beach, just happened to camp out right on the beach where my dad lives. And came up there with his surfboard. And, you know, my dad said, can I try? And he said, go ahead. And, you know, it was it was just that. Like, there were no fins in the board at the time. And, you know, Mush thought it was hilarious. And so he taught my dad 
you know, how to surf. And then from there, my dad has been surfing. Um, he taught all of us to surf. And, you know, so mm. in my family, we have my dad, then there's us kids, then our kids, you know. Mm. So that's that's the where we are right now in terms of our family generations. That's incredible. And like, yeah, I, I love what you said about some of your former students, you know, like, and you remember doing their homework with them and just like fostering that community. And like, I think it was captured so beautifully in the movie, which was, was it released mm-hmm. in 2019? Um, mm-hmm. And it's an award winning movie and really has yeah. such an impact. And it really is so beautiful. So if you're listening, I, I really recommend having a look at it. And um I'm so keen to know, like that was 2019, like what's the feedback been in the years passing? It's a couple of years later. What kind of impact has that film had for you, for your surf community and for, yeah, surfing in Jamaica and the girls there in general? Well, definitely that film has brought a lot of exposure. Mm -hmm. Um, Since that film, I went to Trinidad. I was invited to do a TEDx talk um, there I did a small, very small, I would say, university tour in California. We went to like four universities and we did some talks there, um, showed the film and, you know, answered some questions and let people know what's happening in Jamaica. Mm. Um, People have asked me if we're going to do another film, you know, if there's something else coming out. So there's that that we're looking into, Mm -hmm. you know. But right now, primarily the focus has been how can I improve my programming for the girls? Mm. Um, because I have no funding source. So this is all like coming out of my pocket or for people who are donating. You know, we have people who donate on like um, GoFundMe and they'll send us PayPal um, and, and that kind of thing. Sometimes, you know, people will send us wax or, you know, just things that we don't get that people take for granted because there are no surf shops in Jamaica, not even one. So if you want a finky, it's something that you have to bring from, you know, you have to order it from out of the country, you know. So sometimes we'll get, oh, here's 10 finkies, you know, send in the mail and, you know, so that really helps. Um, But the focus is really how can I improve the programming? And that is why I went to Mexico to do that surf therapy course, because I realized that I'm already doing a lot of this work, right? I went to Mexico to do surf therapy training because I realized that even though I've been doing this type of work, I didn't have the formal training to and the tools to really help these girls and these women in the way that I would like to be helpful to them, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so it's since that movie coming out, it's really been an eye opener for me, you know, in how can I improve myself to improve the girls? Mm-hmm. That's really cool. And I feel like there's like a, such a layer of deepness to that film and you didn't shy away from addressing some really serious subject matter um, including, you know, many of the struggles that Jamaican women face daily, including sexual mm-hmm. harassment and abuse, um, and how surfing really like profoundly impacted them. And, you know, you yeah. told the story of some of your friends in that. And I found that really, really powerful. You know, that's like kind of like something about surfing, which isn't, you know, it, it really is truly special and seeing how that mm-hmm. affected yourself, your friends, the women in Jamaica, I thought was, was really powerful. Yeah, actually 
you know, Joya and Lucy, who worked with me on that film, they're the cinematographer, director. Um, we had a little, I wouldn't say a falling out, but we had a moment of tension where, you know, they're like, they, they presented a cut of the film. And I was like, this isn't, this is hiding. Like, we need mm-hmm. to go deeper. We need to really dive into the issue. And they were concerned about, oh, it might be off-putting to some people. And I'm thinking, well, if if people are, you know, if people are going to feel that way, then this film is not for them, mm-hmm. you know, but we shouldn't alter the message or try and, you know, hide it or, you know, pretty it up for want of a better word, you know, like mm. downplay how serious this is because of what we think other people are going to feel, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we went back to the drawing board, did some new cuts. And then I was like, this is it, you know? And from there, we, it was pretty easy to finish the film after that. Yeah, mm. I felt like there's been so many grassroots communities and individuals like yourself mm-hmm. who in the years running up to now, really began to cause such impact within their communities. And then actually the surfing industry, which had been pretty (laughs) linear and whitewashed and not even two-dimensional, like one-dimensional since its inception, um, really has like stood up and taken note. Um, And one of your goals in the film, you said, for what you do with women surfing is to empower women and girls of color and find the peace they need through the sport too, which I really mm. love that line. And um, do you feel that that target of yours and of increasing diversity in the lineup in 20, at the end of 2022, do you feel that the surfing industry is now in a better place? Has that actually authentically happened? I think here in Jamaica, that mm-hmm. has happened. Um, I can't speak for the rest of the world, even though I notice changes around me. I notice that. I notice that, you know, even the concept of surfing as as a form of therapy is is being accepted mm. now, you know, and that's a big deal. You know, five years ago, people would laugh at you for saying that, you know. Um, and so there is improvement. I know here in Jamaica, for sure, you know, um, I can see it, I can feel it. Um, you know, I see it not only in the girls, but in other people that they are now inspiring, you know, I have with the, like he trains with one of, one of my girl groups. His name is, um, we call him EJ, but he's one of, he's Jamaica's, uh, one of our first para surfers and they're away right now at the ISA para surfing games. We have Mm -hmm. two guys there. Um, and he trains with all of us, you know, as one of the girls, we call him our honorary girl, you know, um, and just to see how he has jumped in, you know, there's no stigma, there's no, you know, like, it's very accepting, you know, like having the diversity, welcoming everybody we can know. I think that's what makes surfing beautiful. You know, nobody surfs, mm. two people don't surf the same. Everybody has their style, their flair, what makes them different. Um, mm. And I think that is what, is beautiful about surfing. It means something different to each person and it's expressed in a completely different way. And by doing the work that I'm doing, I think I'm spreading the message that it's okay for your surfing to look different, to feel different, you know, and it's okay to be in a group of people and create your own community where you all accept each other and you can feel supported and loved. And, you know, like even for my group, we have a WhatsApp, you know, where we talk, 
about everything. I'm involved in their homework. <laughs> you know, like a lot of the time their parents will call me and say, this is what this person is doing. They're not making their bed. They're not doing this. And I have to talk to them and be like, listen, girls, like responsibility. You want to come surfing? You have to prepare yourself for success. So if that means making your bed, doing your chores from the night before so you can get to surfing in the morning, do it, you know, like, so I'm very invested in everybody that comes into that community, you know, and I see it paying off. I see the attitudes changing. I see one of my girls right now had a fear of swimming. I see her going out there, charging the waves, riding the biggest waves, going for the biggest wipeouts and just feeling free. I have another one with motion sickness that she's been, you know, so it's like teaching everyone that you can challenge yourself and that is safe to do that you know you're in charge of your life mm -hmm. there's so many beautiful messages and everything you just said and I just want to unpick every every single part of it <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah I, I could I just so completely agree with you and, and that's so awesome to hear that there's kind of the ripples of positive change within your community and surf scene and I just love as well your point about, you know, there being so much more flair in surfing now and how surfing differently is a good thing. And it's so cool to see that in surfing now, whether it's like, you know, grassroots surfing or amateur surfing or even professional surfing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it for me, it feels like there's so much more spice and like energy and it's so much better to see. And it makes things so much more exciting again. I feel like there's like a new energy about it and yeah that that's just really cool and in my eyes I'm just like seeing everything bubbling up from the grassroots and it's so cool to kind of like discuss with all these awesome characters like yourself on this podcast um but yeah I feel like something your dad said as well in that film about surfing and like if we're talking about the sort of positive benefits of it he said Surfing is one of the most positive sports because it takes your eyes from all of the negativity and the corruption that is in society and takes it to the horizon with endless possibilities. I just thought that was one of the like best quotes from the movie. Again, Dan mm -hmm. sounds like a total legend. Um, but just like those deep messages, which are so beautifully interwoven into that film and like what you say, you know, I feel that so many more people are accessing those benefits to surfing now. And it's such a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, definitely. That That's so true. And, you know, I mean, I think I'm motivated to share and create a space and just hold that space for people to come and feel comfortable to do that because I have felt the benefits of it. I know what surfing feels like. I know how it feels to be healed um, just going into the ocean, you know, mm. I'll share something that I learned just the other day doing, just doing my surf therapy course is that the ocean has the same salinity as amniotic fluid in the womb. So it makes sense that you go into the water and you feel, you feel that way. You feel comfortable. It draws you to it. That makes so much sense, you mm. know? And if I can mm. create a space that feels nurturing, that you know, feels welcoming and full of enough love and acceptance that people feel that they can open up and, and just be a part of nature. And, you know, it's okay as an adult to go and play in the sea. It's okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. We should all do it, you know, 10 minutes a day. Let's all go and play. 
You know, I, I feel honored to be in a position to do that. Mm, mm, that's, that's so cool. Like yeah, the amniotic fluid, it's like going into mama big blue, isn't it? And you're right. Just like still being like 10 minutes of like feeling like a kid, you can't really beat it. And like so many of us just like quash that side of us and in surfing or anything, just like, yeah, running around like a kid and just feeling that kind of stoke for whatever it is that your jam is. Um, it's such a good medicine and tonic for your soul. Like, I totally mm. agree with that. <laughs> um, but Imani, I feel like you are a very busy lady and you have your fingers in a lot of pies. So you've been surfing competitively for a frick of a long time. Um, <laughs> Kickstarted the surf scene in Jamaica. You run your community projects with the girls. Uh, you're mm. a filmmaker, a creative yeah. consultant. Yeah. Um, you have a long CV. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, and now everything with Groundswell too. Like, what? Uh, like, what else is ex- what's exciting that's happening for you right now as well? Like, Groundswell sounds awesome. What else have you got bubbling and percolating away right now that we could maybe see in 2023? Well, right now, um, me and my business partner, we have started a company that we're promoting Jamaican products. Mm -hmm. And just getting them out there, making them available on platforms like Amazon um, Mm -hmm. for everybody to buy, you know. Um, But products that we are very invested in, how it's made, how it's sourced. We're trying to create 100% Jamaican products Mm -hmm. made by Jamaicans in Jamaica with materials made in Jamaica. Um, So we've started with, you know, some lip balms that I've, put on their surf girls, you know, as a way to generate some funds there, but they're all made in Jamaica by a local lady um, using Jamaican beeswax and, you know, like the whole, the whole works. Um, we have like, you know, castor oil and other really good products. We're working on a line of teas right now. Um, mm. Other than that, we have some experiences like cultural experiences that we're trying to curate. So if you want to come to Jamaica, and, you know, learn how to make flutes out of bamboo. You know, we have a guy for that, you know, like, and we'll take you there. And so that that experience, some hands-on crafting experiences. Um, obviously, I have the surf camp at Jamnesia. Um, we're going to start including surf therapy retreats there as well. Um, you know, we have... My brother is a ISA presenter, so he started, you know, I'm helping him to create the space to do courses. So if you wanted to come to Jamaica and learn how to be a judge or an instructor, or you know, you could come and do that. So we're trying to create all of these opportunities for growth mm-hmm. and learning. Um, what else do I have going on? I don't know. There's <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds like there's a lot bubbling away on the stove already. <laughs> and um, I mean, like, I've always wanted to go to Jamaica for so many reasons. Um, like if we're talking about like surfing in Jamaica, like what are three, like your advice for say someone who's listening, who like maybe wants to come visit, like three of your like all time favorite things to do visiting Jamaica on a surf trip. Well, definitely surfing. (laughs) (laughs) We have a lot of breaks here. Um, but just to let people know that we don't have 
beach breaks. We don't have a lot of beach breaks. You won't find that they're mostly reef breaks and point breaks. So they stand up and they hold their shape. And it's a very good training ground if you're trying to, you know, do turns and improve um, from there. We do have smaller ways that are really good for beginners also, but they're still not beach breaks, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so be prepared for some powerful waves, you know, like, you know, they might not be huge on the day that you're out, but they'll still have a good punch, you know. Um, waterfalls, you know, we have a lot of rivers and, you know, um, Jamaica, the word Jamaica actually means the land of wood and water. So lots of waterfalls, lots of forests, you know, you definitely have to go to the Blue Mountains, try the coffee. You could do the hike where you go up in the night and, you you know, for the sunrise in the morning and if it's a clear day, you could actually see all the way to Cuba from there. Um, so it's that's a really special experience. Um, you know, it depends if you're into the street food scene, then, you know, you have the jerk festivals and that kind of, you know, curry festivals. There's different food festivals going on. If you're into music, you know, there's all of these places. There's these studios. You could go to Bob Marley Museum. You could go to, you know, like there are a lot of places. Jamaica has something for everybody. So even though you're coming to surf, you might be into art and you want to go to the art galleries. We have talented painters who sell their artwork on the side of the street in Kingston, you know. So you could mm -hmm. literally just walk along the street and be like, oh, I like that piece. I'm going to buy it from the actual artist who painted it. He's sitting right there, you know. So there is something for everybody. You just have to be open, you know, to it. It sounds like there are so many awesome things to do in Jamaica and I'm already looking at booking a flight so you can expect me there soon and <laughs> um, yeah so 2023 sounds exciting it's, it sounds crazy to say 2023 is coming like I don't know that's some back to the future level shit um, and I feel like just the last few years especially within surfing and just the industry and grassroots surfing there's been so much change and metamorphosis and positive action and just like we talked about that new spice and energy and flavor um yeah. which in my from my perspective like has just made the world of surfing such a more awesome place and so many more people are exposed to the benefits of surfing too um but like kind of dialing it back to your movie and talking about you know how you felt for example, there wasn't that much representation in media for women in color. And we talked about some of the challenges uh, you felt that the surf industry still had. Um, are there any changes you still feel like you would really like to see within the surfing industry coming in the future? Yeah, well, definitely. There's always changes that, you know, could happen and make the world a better place, you know. But I would love to see companies really investing in the local communities um whatever that looks like not just this little mold of what they think is sellable you know that's that's that was never relevant and it's not relevant to this day you know um we're starting to see some of these things changing even in tv you know so a couple of years ago I would say it wasn't it wasn't last year, but the year before, I had the opportunity of being a stunt double in a TV show called Digstown. Uh, myself and another really cool surfer girl, um, Chelsea. You know, 
we were we went all the way to BC, you know, freezing cold Canada. And it's a Canadian TV show where you have a black lawyer who uses surfing as her way of processing what is going on in her world, you know? And that was so cool to see, you know, and being a part of that. To me, it, it's showing that things are changing. You know, before that, I would never think it was possible, you know. Um, and just to show where things are coming from, you know, I was asked to audition for Blue Crush 2 when it just was, you know, and I turned it down. I, I remember being in the audition and being like, what is this? I can't read this. I can't say this. There's, you know, I can't say, oh, I'm not pretty enough and I'm not white enough. And I'm not, you know, like that is completely against everything that I believe in. And I remember at that time we wrote to the um, the producers and we said, you have to change that. If you don't change that, you're going to have serious issues, you know, down the line. And they did change it. So that's great for them, you know, and it's it's seeing that awareness, but also the attitude um, and the responsibility that it takes for someone who has never been a part of a specific community, but can have empathy and listen to your story and say, you know, you are right. Maybe I have a privileged background and that's why I can't see what you are experiencing. But if I can use my privilege to make things easier and more fair, you know, then why not? You know, we see these things coming out in the fair pay, um, in the professional league, you know, we're equal pay and that's great. But we need to see it all the way through, you know, Um we need to see it all the way through to sponsorship, you know, it, to the, the, you know, all of these things, all these foundations, how much are they actually giving back? And, you know, who are they giving it back to? Because even though you're, you have a foundation and you're donating all these funds, a lot of that money goes into administration and who's a part of the administrative board or that group that you're putting together to manage a certain community's um, benefits that you're allowing you know, access to with the use of your funds, you know, yeah, it's your funds, but who are you really at the end of the day supporting, you know, that money kind of trickles down to the community that you want to support as opposed to let's invest in that community directly. Let's get them into some administrative and management courses. Let's teach them how to do these things for themselves. And then we can hire them. We can create jobs, opportunities for them and from that, you'll start to see younger girls, younger women, you know, people looking up to these women and saying, well, they can do it. So I can do something too. Maybe it looks different. Maybe it is different, but I have the potential to be something, you know, because I can see the investment into my community, you know, and I think that is where the change really needs to go. It's great to say, okay, yeah, as a brand, we have some, you know, diverse surfers on our lineup. But at the end of the day, are you donating or contributing to a surf school that's going to continue to ensure that there is another, you know, that generational wealth being passed down mm. through surfing and through, you know, so it's like, think of it as an investment. You know, if I just invest in one guy, how far is that going to go? But if I invest in a whole movement, I can, as a brand, I could definitely have some serious global impact, you know, for a long mm. term. Mm. that's what I would love to see that's um an excellent answer and um yeah you're asking like vital questions there you know it's like digging deeper into following that trail and understanding how it goes and thanks for yeah I was like that was really interesting to hear you kind of delve into that um 
And I would definitely agree with you in like seeing how you can follow that trail and how that investment into communities can be so beneficial. And we're, we're definitely seeing mm-hmm. it. You're like a walking testimony to that with everything <laughs> you've done off the, off the skin of your own back, you know, self-funded. Um, and so many of these grassroots movements have been self-funded. Um, yeah. So I would ring the bell as well for bigger organizations and businesses to really step up to the mark and mm-hmm. take those investments there because, yeah, we are seeing you know, people of color and diversity in lineups, whereas mm-hmm. before it had been so one-dimensional. Yeah. But really, like, where does that path then lead? I think maybe that's the question coming in this next year, um, which would be awesome for, like, the surf industry to dive deeper into, I feel. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when people think about surfing, they think about the surfer. They think mm. about the competitive surfer. And, and a lot of people think that that's the path in surfing but just like every other thing in life you know like if you look at a forest it's so diverse you know there's you've got different types of trees you've got different types of shrubs you've got different types of flowers they're all different and each one has a purpose and contributes to the ecosystem it's the same way with surfing you have a surfer but you also have a coach and you wouldn't have a a surfing competition if you didn't have judges and you didn't have organizers and you didn't have catering and you didn't have so there's all of these different aspects you know that come together to make the whole thing work and we have to be able to show younger generations that there is a space for you to fit as long as you you can take some time figure it out what do you like what what makes you happy and see how well you can craft that around a career or you know and and just make yourself feel fulfilled but still showing other people that you know there is a space for you you know mm-hmm. yeah. amazing and that so beautifully leads me to my final question which I definitely think might be hard for you because I feel like your legacy is so <laughs> so well cemented already but <laughs> I mean for you like what do you feel like ultimately you would like your legacy to be Um, you're right. That is a tough question because, (laughs) you know, um, going into this, I never really thought of myself. Like I never imagined that I would be in this position where people would be interviewing me and inviting me on a podcast. And, you know, like I never thought I would have someone wanting to do a documentary about me and what I'm doing. You know, it was never, oh, I'm doing this to be noticed. I'm, I was never, and I still don't do it to be noticed. I do it to have an impact, you know? And so I would think that, you know, if I could pass on to other people that if you create the opportunity and the space using something that you love for once you have a very good intention around it and you're honest about it, then you create a space for opportunities for other people. And if you can take one person and inspire them to do the same thing, then that I think is the greatest legacy that anybody could leave. You know, I, when I was in Mexico the other day, um, this brilliant, like native, native American healer, he shared this, this concept that in a lot of these indigenous cultures, when they, pray ahead they go seven generations you know they're they're not just like oh they don't do anything for themselves right now it's seven generations of consideration and thought and if I think we can adopt adopt some of that you know and say let's do things now 
that can benefit seven generations from me, create an opportunity for them so far down the line. And if each generation does that, I think what other legacy could we ask for? You know, that would be it. Yeah. Um, that is such a beautiful concept. And um, thank you yeah, so much for sharing that. And it's been such a pleasure speaking to you. I just knew it'd be such an interesting conversation. So thank you so much for joining the drop-in sessions, Imani. And best of luck with all your awesome endeavors next year. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. I've had a good time <laughs> just talking and, you know, getting to know you and you know, just, just sharing. I like sharing, you know, and I appreciate you making a space, you know, and, and, and trying to create all of these opportunities for these, these conversations that could change things. You know, I think you should give yourself a pat on the shoulder for that, you know, and just keep doing what you're doing too. Thank you so much. Hopefully we'll get to Natter again soon. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Thank you.